it's it's as simple as that. If you are lucky enough to find your calling, no effort is perceived as effort. And I wish to everyone in this world to find their calling because I think we are very often stuck with uh, someone else's dreams, someone else's ambitions, or we think that something will make us happy, but actually it doesn't. I really hope that my example will pave a way mm-hmm. for some people who might have been doubting and but didn't have as much courage as I happened to have. You're listening to the Working Progress podcast, and we are your hosts, Dana and Angela. We believe your work and career should evolve with you, and it is therefore always a work in progress. In this podcast, you will hear stories of people who turn their careers from something that no longer serves them into something that complement who they are and their life goals. The way I like to think about it is that their careers are growing and stretching just like they are. Our goal is to inspire you to get out there and to make the changes you want for yourself and your future self. Let's get started. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Um, welcome back to the Working Progress Podcast. Um, today we're talking to Maria, and Maria is a ballet dancer turned conductor. In 2019, she worked as a conductor in residence with the National Ballet of. Canada, and she has many, many more exciting opportunities coming up for her in the near future. So,、uh, welcome, Maria. Thank you for joining us today. And I was wondering if you could give us a little bit of introduction to yourself, and we'll take it from there. And、um, feel free to talk about anything you like.、Uh, it doesn't have to be just restricted to careers. You can talk about, you know, whatever you want to talk about. So, all topics are welcome, and then we can go from there. Hello, everyone.、Uh, my name is Maria Seletska. I am 36 years old,、uh, Estonian-born, ex-ballet dancer, and currently orchestra conductor. I'm a single mother to a six-year-old son, so that makes my life even more interesting. <laughs>、uh, to To begin with,、um, I was born in Soviet Union, and I was、uh, raised in a strict Way、mm, it was a common thing back then in time, and、uh, my upbringing included not just a regular education path, but、um, my parents tried to engage me in as many activities as possible, which was not so uncommon in general.、Um, Soviet Union allowed. Uh, was allowing always to have extracurriculum activities. So、um, uh, apart from attending school, I was going to music school. I did rhythmic gymnastics. I I was studying English. I was dancing. So my days were basically filled from the morning till the evening.、Uh, but at the age of nine. By chance, actually, by chance, I was not really dreaming to be become a dancer. But it happened by chance that I、uh, told my mother that I will be going to do the exams to enter the ballet school, and、um, luck was probably on my side.、Um, I was accepted with certain、um, precautionary words from teachers who said I was lacking certain. 
um, physical abilities, which some of which could have been um, trained and um, developed during the years of education, but some not. But uh, I, I was determined to prove to everyone that I would make it work for myself. And so the years of struggle, they started. So I have been studying ballet for nine years. Uh, so this is normally the time that it takes to become a professional ballet dancer. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you enter the ballet school at the age of between nine and 11, traditionally, and then you sort of go through the middle and high school years uh, there, and then you graduate as a, as a professional ballet dancer and you can start working, which is, um, I think, very uncommon for any other area of uh, activity because um, ballet dancers, they start working at the age of 17, 18, 19. Mm-hmm. This is the time when the um, vast majority of people actually start going to college or university. So um, this is the difference. But uh, also the problem with ballet is that um, the career span is very short. We normally retire at the age of 40. Uh, mm-hmm. And I would say that this is probably the age where, as we call them, normal people, um, normal people actually uh, get their feet under them in their <laughs> professions. You know, they have not only graduated and done their grads, post grads, doctorates, mm-hmm. and PhDs, mm-hmm. but they have also gained certain experience in their working field. By this time, we are considered we are considered pensioned people, and <laughs> most of the dancers they are. Uh, I mean, every dancer is faced with an absolute dreadful decision what to do after in a life after ballet. Mm. And some of dancers are actually not that lucky and they, they really fall deep down because um, to, to give a brief overview, you start dancing probably at the age of four normally, you know, you start attending dance classes and stuff, you know, in, in America, in States, I know people do step and they do all kinds of like show dancing as well. And, you know, it's time consuming, it's energy and soul consuming. So when you actually start doing professional education, you don't have anything but ballet. I mean, you obviously have a your mathematics and geography and languages and literature, obviously mm-hmm. you study. And I mean, we are not uneducated people, but uh, we are faced with a much greater workload because apart mm-hmm. from for following the normal national curriculum, we have a whole bunch of profession related uh, subjects. And plus the actually the dance related subjects, you know, like ballet and partnering dance and character mm-hmm. dance, and historical dance, all kinds of gyms and stuff all kinds of cross-training, and plus, you know, music history, ballet history, art history, all kinds of things, you know, which one needs to know in order to be able to go on stage and depict certain era or epoch or Mm -hmm. certain historical personage. So it's all the part of the package. So you end up uh, going to school from eight in the morning till sometimes nine in the evening. Wow. 
Yes. And if you are prefer- uh, when you are 16, 17, you often end up also performing together with the national ballet as a part of their corps de ballet. So sometimes, you know, your days go till the till 10, 11 when the last oh, wow. act of the oh, ballet finishes. So this is as, so this is what it is. So what I'm trying to say is that if you, you are not passionate about, about it, you there's no way you are going to survive it. So of course it's very beautiful because I would say that most of the dancers would uh, probably tell you that they are living their dream. Although it's very painful and difficult and demanding profession, it's painful both mentally and physically. But um, it was a choice, conscious choice of everyone. It's um, a passion and obsession in some cases. So it is very hard to see outside the bubble. So mm. um, and then, needless to say, it is very hard to find something which will be equally engaging um, in the life after so some dancers they maybe go into teaching but there are not so many teachers needed there are not so many teachers needed um so you know people need to look for the future occupation uh so i was lucky because i have had certain moments during my career you know some injuries and some moments when i was forced to stop so i had time to think Time to reflect, time to doubt, maybe. And uh, I, I was lucky enough to encounter certain people who would simply give me ideas. And since I was play, I play piano since I'm four and a half. So I started piano approximately at the same time as I started dancing, but much earlier than I went to ballet school. So I, I kept playing piano throughout my ballet training and throughout my mm. ballet career as well. So. I had a, a second passion in my life, something which was in this inseparable part of my life. And some people just um, actually suggested, they said, oh, why don't you contemplate about becoming a conductor for ballet? Because you have certain expertise in both ballet and music. Um, I mean, you could study music more deeply and then you could uh, merge two worlds together because mm-hmm. um, on a side note um, there is an orchestra conducting as such you know it's something what people who go to concerts see uh, you know conductor comes and leads an orchestra and he is sort of uh, free to do whatever he wants with any musical piece he can um, interpret it in the ways he wants mm-hmm. um, obey the tradition or or maybe make a breakthrough in another direction. Meanwhile, ballet, because uh, it involves a lot of um, movement, a movement um, carved to fit the musical um, frame. Mm. Uh, This dance, the choreographic text which dancers execute, has to fit the music. So music is restricted um, and music has in in ideal world music has to help dancers perform the best you know i would say if, if to make a comparison if you if you are a runner at olympics and mm-hmm. if wind blows in your back you're more likely to reach your gold medal faster mm-hmm. you know so music can help you if music is played 
um, mm, in a better way if, if it starts exactly at the launching point of a jump of a dancer or if the certain accent a loud music catches a dancer in the air when it needs to you know mm-hmm. dancers can perform better or sometimes you know if music starts too early or if music is too fast what happens dancer starts his solo her solo and ends up chasing the music all the time wasting physical uh, physical um, resources and dancing of course worse but that ballet classical ballet it looks effortless it looks very easy but it's the hardest yeah. physical activity I have ever been engaged in it's hard so um <laughs> For me, when I when I thought, you know, maybe I could conduct for ballet, I said, but why not? Maybe I maybe I could finally uh, help dancers. I mean, not finally. I cannot say finally. There are many fine ballet conductors, mm-hmm. um, but um, of course, I'm the only one right now. And I spoke with several people who are in the field, and they said they have never really heard of a ballet dancer. Conductor. I have heard of one man years ago, decades ago in Soviet mm-hmm. Union, but now, right now there's none. So um, it gives me, of course, certain advantage because um, when ballet companies, ballet directors, they hear about an ex-dancer who is able to um, lead an orchestra, they are definitely interested. Mm-hmm. So I know that I'll be able to hopefully earn my bread and not only just bread but the butter to eat as well <laughs> uh, in, in the future so I, I i see that some some directors some companies they are of course a bit um, cautious they're interested but they are waiting for me to gain gain more experience mm-hmm. fair enough i understand it but um i think in a few years time when i will have earned um, experience and hopefully a good name I think uh, I will have more than enough jobs to do. So, uh, and then another little thing is that um, among conductors, about, among musicians, ballet music is considered um, a second, uh, second sort, lower sort of music. And not many conductors are actually willing to become a conductor specifically for ballet. If to conduct theater music, then they prefer to conduct an opera because it's considered to be more um, more chic, I would say, you know, <laughs> of a higher rank. Of course, mm-hmm. every, every conductor dreams to go on the stage of Carnegie Hall, you know, or Berliner Philharmonie. There are majestic, amazing concert halls, but not everyone gets there. And sometimes I think, you know, would be lovely, of course, but um, in general, what I want is just to be able to stand in front of an orchestra and conduct music, a piece of music, no matter what. It just makes me happy. So, yeah, this is, this was, I guess, my long introduction. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for the long introduction. I can really hear your passion and uh, how much story is behind um, you know, your experiences. And I really had, uh, this is, a lot of this is new um, information for me because I've never really spoken with a conductor before. So I really appreciate all the information. And um, I, yeah, so I was reading up a little bit about, you know, conducting um, before I decided, before I talked to you. And um, I found that there's an interesting um, kind of comparison. So, what I read or what the way I understood it is that conductor is sort of 
also like a musician and um, the orchestra that they are conducting is their instrument. And, um, and um, it gives them, and I think it's really amazing that you actually do get, like you said, you get a lot of freedom to interpret. You can choose to follow the traditional way of presenting a piece, or you can interpret this piece in, in, a, in your own different way, in your own individual way. And I think that, I wonder how that feels like um, compared to when you're a ballet dancer. Does, it, does this feel like you have more freedom or, or was ballet the same? But I just didn't know about that. Actually, uh, it's a very good question that you ask. Oh, wow. Um, it's in a weird way now that I think it's in a weird way very similar. Because look, mm. if you have, if you're a musician, you have a score, in my case, an orchestra score where every single note that is being played by an orchestra is written, is there. So you have a canvas. You have a canvas to ready to be drawn on. So you... Mm. And, you know, you just need to decipher the thought of um, composer and try to understand what was he trying to convey with mm. what he had put on the paper. And as a dancer, you also learn steps, you know, it's very, it's a very strict sequ sequence of steps, which is very put on the music very precisely. It's, you know, we count the music very differently than musicians because mm -hmm. we yeah it's just a different per way of perceiving music but mm -hmm. you know if this certain step has to be executed on three it has to be on three and not on three and and not on and three and not on mm -hmm. two because um especially if you have to dance together with someone it has to look the same mm -hmm. so you know there are strict rules and then also uh, there's such a thing as um keeping the choreographer's thought intact Mm -hmm. So uh, the, if you look at a swan, a ballet swan, like the, one of the, uh, is the most famous ballet, which has been created 140 years ago, um, mm -hmm. lots of the original choreographic text has vanished because back in time oh. there was no video, there was no way of writing things down. There have been several mm -hmm. attempts to notate it, but you know it's not like a mathematical formula where you write uh, right. x plus, or, uh, plus <laughs> x plus equals two times ac. You know, mm -hmm. it's not that. You know, uh, so but right now in these days in current times, uh, the a very strict way of uh, very precise way of notating a choreography, choreographical uh, language has been developed. It's, it's It has five lines, just like a musical notation. Uh, if I, I, I'm a complete profan, I don't know exactly, but if I'm not mistaken, one line goes for head, then there are lines, oh. there's a line for arms, line for legs, I think, and line wow. for body. So, so the, the, the choreographic language can be written down with utmost precision. It's spectacular. And then there are these specialists, very often ex-dancers themselves, who have studied, if I'm not mistaken, four years. It's a long mm -hmm. study. And they are able to look at the video or they are present during rehearsals, during creation, when choreographer creates. They just sit there and they write this... Mm -hmm paper which looks like Talmud, it looks like some sort of hieroglyphs, you don't understand anything. But then when the work is being recreated five years later or 10 years later on the other side of the globe, 
it's going mm -hmm. to be recreated in exact way how it was created. So mm -hmm. this is an advantage. So now going back to the music, of course, you learn the steps or you learn your notes, but then it's always the same. If there are two pianists playing the same piano piece, notes are the same. The MP are the same, they both had the same score, but the piece sounds different. Yeah. And if there were two dancers who are executing the principal role, let's say in Swan Lake, the Odette on deal, they execute the same steps. They execute steps on the same moment in music and stuff, but they look the role breathes in a different way. So this is this is where we come to the freedom. Uh, you mm -hmm. are in some way restricted because you have to follow what has been written down by creators, but then your uh, individuality comes into play. Mm -hmm. And even if you want to strictly copy someone, be it a conductor, if I want to conduct the piece the way some idol of mine conducts, or if I want to dance the way some idol of mine danced, it will never work. <laughs> mm -hmm. Because you have different physicality, you have different way of breathing, different way of thinking, different mimic, different everything. So yeah, the, the steps will be recognizable, recognizable so the canvas will be the same mm. but uh the, the little shades will always be different so i understand that being a conductor you need to um have you need to do a lot of uh, studying in terms of music and have you always been doing that since you were little when you were a ballet dancer yes as much as i uh, remember myself i always had piano <laughs> <laughs> was always there. Um, I don't remember a time when I was not able to play piano. Uh, I know mm. that I started at the age of four and a half, so I don't remember the process of learning it. I, I just sort of mm. always could play it. And um, there was a time when I was contemplating stopping uh, dancing because as I, you remember how I was describing how much effort you need to put Mm -hmm. uh, during your studying uh, years right. in ballet. So uh, it, ballet was certainly outweighing music. But my mother, she told me this one wise phrase. She said, mm -hmm. uh, I beg you, don't stop playing piano. You don't need to practice four or five hours a day. You're, you're not uh, contemplating becoming a concert pianist. But play, play one and a half hours a day, just enough to keep your fingers going just enough to have mm -hmm. not the progress but just to keep the level she said because one day when you will grow you will experience feelings be they happy or sad ones but so strong that words won't be enough to express mm. and then you will be able to sit at the piano and play your heart out uh. and uh, little did she know that uh, because of this advice i which i followed with like a not so nice face back then because I was in a back in the time. Um, but I followed and I don't regret because um, as soon as I graduated from school and I started having much more free time on my hands because, you know, there was no mathematics and no history to do. You know, there was your class, you, you go to, to the opera house for your job, you do your class. There's the daily class, one and a half hours of class. It's like, you know, uh, amen. Uh, everyone does the same. It's a sequence of rigorous exercises which are tailored to not only warm up um, your body, but also to to keep and hopefully to increase your technical capacity. Mm -hmm. 
And then you have your daily rehearsals and they always, the amount of them always varies according to um, what you dance and how many shows there are and what roles you are uh, casted for. So sometimes you might work from, from um, 10 till six straight, but sometimes you might have like, you know, you have a class and then you have a little break because someone else is rehearsing, then you rehearse and then you have again a break. So it varies. And then on most of the days, then you have also a performance in the evening. So, but you suddenly have these gaps. So I didn't, being 18, living alone without my family in another city, Back in the time, I still lived in Estonia, but I lived away from my family. I lived in the capital. So I was most of the time feeling lonely and I mm. didn't know what to do because, you know, you did not yet connect socially. You did not grow into, mm-hmm. into a grown up world. So you don't know what to do. So I picked up piano and uh, there were lots of pianos in the opera house. There was always a room free with the piano. So I ended up practicing. So I went back from one and a half hours, which I could do during school years, I went mm. back to my four year, four, four hours a day. So, wow. so I started uh, practicing it a lot. You know, one hour here, 45 minutes there, uh, before the show, after the show, and it would come to a good chunk of time a day. And I realized that like, I forget about the time when I play music. And um, mm. I was never playing, planning to be a concert pianist. No, I, I always knew I don't want to that but then someone advised me why don't you think about ballet conducting you know you 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 know what the music is about so why don't you sing and I first thought that no this is impossible because gods uh gods and conductors are gods for dancers conductors are gods like you you don't approach conductor you don't complain to conductor if there is a principal star dancer who who is having difficulties arranging his or her steps in the music they might interrupt their solo in the middle of the music, you know, like raise the hand on stage and say, sorry, you know, and then a very dramatic thing happens. You know, stops the orchestra and all these 95 people, they stop playing, you know. It's wow. considered a huge thing. Like, you don't stop the orchestra. Conductor might stop the orchestra, but from the stage, you just don't stop the orchestra. That's the mm-hmm. rule. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I was told advice to become one of these gods, I said, no. <laughs> No, 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 no. Like I'm a swan, a willy or fairy or whoever. No, no, conducting. But you know, the seed was planted. And I won't go through all the phases. There were lots of lucky encounters and little moments, signs, probably something, you know, like I would say like little pebbles, which would Mm. lead me through the mud of uncertainty, I would Um. say. You just don't know where to go, but suddenly you see a little pebble there and you step on it. Someone would always give me an advice or give me a hand or show me something and guide. And it took me some years to figure out how to get certain training while being a dancer because I had to support myself, you know, and I could not just drop a ballet career and then go to the music academy and right. start the life from beginning on. I, I somehow tried to sit on two chairs at the same time. And then uh so i found certain ways to study because there's a lot of theoretical studies it's not just playing the piano there are are lots of subjects which you need one needs to learn in order to be able to interpret the score uh, as a conductor so Mm -hmm. i needed to to find ways to to get acquainted with that and only when i was i knew that i 
understood everything that's written in the score, I started contemplating about how to actually study conducting. But I was always very little worried about conducting itself because I thought, you know, I already learned how to manage my body. So mm -hmm. I knew that the conducting technique itself, I would learn. But then by the time when I actually came to the phase of learning the ballet, uh, the, the orchestra conducting technique, my son was born. So mm. they, the, the, and as, as I'm a single mother, I knew that leaving ballet, you know, because I was contemplating, you know, maybe stopping with ballet, going, doing three, five, three plus two, yeah, uh, undergrad and grad. Uh, to in music and and then start a new career. Then my son was born and stopping was out of question. I needed to support him and mm -hmm. I could not go to live in a dorm and in, on a campus somewhere. <laughs> no, and uh, have wealthy parents who would be able to support me or hire him a nanny or stuff like this. So then, okay, brace yourself, Maria. You have to pull it through somehow. Then again, I had lots of uh, lucky encounters. There were some people who helped me, some people who believed in me. I just, mm. looking back, I just think that probably I was meant to do it. Mm. I think that this is my calling, not the ballet. Ballet was a passion, but the music is really, I feel that it's my calling. It makes me mm. happy. And then uh, I somehow managed to do seemingly impossible but because i was lucky someone out there up there helped me to manage so yes uh, i have now retired from ballet one and a half years ago and uh, and you know the, the decision to actually really stop the ballet and uh, tell myself that okay uh, music is taking over and in order to do music better, I need to stop sitting on the chairs. Uh, like we say in Russian, like your arse might rip if you sit on the chairs. Um, so uh, I decided to shift onto one chair and say thank you very much, ballet career. I have danced professionally for 15 years. 15 years out of 20. It's a good accomplishment. Oh, my God. I think it's good accomplishment. And I thought, yeah. okay, fine. And I, I sort of uh, retired into nowhere i would say at, the, at that moment into nowhere um i knew it would be freelancing i was a very fearing fearful but um i knew that i i want to do to become a better conductor and that requires time and then you know i think life thought of destiny thought that i made the right decision because uh one week after my final performance i i received my contract uh, for the national ballet of canada so i think it was the right decision. I love that you talked about the story between you and your mom, how she kind of talked to you about, oh, just, you know, practice enough to get through it and to remember so that your fingers kind of remember what it's like to play, you know, a song, but, you know, like don't spend so much time that you sacrifice your, you know, training for ballet. And I felt like I've heard, definitely heard something along those lines from my mom as well. <laughs> Although I didn't have the second half of your story where you actually picked it back up and then, you know, spent, wanted to spend more time for yourself. But um, I guess I'm curious, like, did your mom have similar upbringings or like similar background in music and dance as you? Was that why she thought, oh, this is wonderful. I love it. And you should try it. No, my, my, my mother has uh, no up musical upbringing at all. She is a dancer, dance teacher, but she mm -hmm. is um, um, like a hobby dance teacher, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, in in post-Soviet blocs, there are lots of 
so-called dance groups where kids go after school and they dance. It's it, and this they get to perform. They go to some festivals, but it's not a professional dance. It's not a ballet mm-hmm. school where you know you say it's going to be my profession. I'm going to earn my living with that. Yeah, people can drop out whenever they want, but mostly they stick to the end of high school. So, um, but I started dancing there. It's just you know regular dancing. We did some little ballet training, but without without uh, without exaggeration. Mm-hmm. So my mother is uh, she's a big ballet lover. She she I think she was dreaming to become a ballet dancer back in time, but for that. For various reasons, it didn't work. I, I mean, she never even enrolled in ballet school. So I think partially through her dream, we got into ballet school. We, it means we are four sisters and we all went through ballet school. Mm-hmm. My, my youngest sister is uh, 19 years my junior and she is graduating wow. from ballet school this year. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Wow. Actually, her graduation gala was cancelled just now because... Oh, no. no. It's, it's a, so uh, we are hoping that they will somehow reconsider and maybe give them an extra half year to graduate, maybe. Uh-huh. But, uh, but we, we have no idea. It's a big mess, but it's a big mess worldwide. So yeah. So we oh, we, we cannot complain, you know, and say so, like poor us. Everyone is in the same boat now. Now, so uh, my mother has zero connection with music, but I think she appreciates it, you know. But. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I'm sure that uh, this thing about music, she she said that she dropped this phrase unknowingly. I would say I think she just thought, felt that it would be a pity to to just let all these years of, of efforts go because mm-hmm. I was quite advanced in piano. Um, if if I did not go to ballet school, I could have easily become a professional pianist. It was going quite easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, without knowing, she gave me this life-changing advice. Wow. <laughs> what was uh, what was your friends and family's reaction when uh, when you told them that you are going to become a conductor? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, reaction back then and reaction uh, and confession now they are <laughs> polar because mm-hmm. back then it was like, oh yeah, great, go for it, you know. But um, what I was saying, actually, by um, saying that, you know, I'm going to be an orchestra conductor, translated into human language, it, it would mean I am going to fly uh, on the moon, to the moon, uh, without a spacesuit, going to land on the moon, take my kids shovel and shovel some some probe from the moon and bring it back. And I will accomplish it all in Sputnik, you know, in Sputnik from 69. <laughs> this is what I was saying, basically. Why? Because um, you remember how I talked about training in ballet? Mm-hmm. It's the same in music. It's equally time consuming in music. Right. So yeah. one excludes another. Mm. I know many people who, have, who are gifted in both ballet mm. and music. Uh, but at some point, they all have to choose. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when there was some interviews of mine coming out a couple of months ago, and I have had some people uh, writing to me on Instagram and they would ask for advice, you know, like, what what should I do, Maria? You know, look, I'm doing this. And a girl shows that she's playing a cello in orchestra. And, you know, obviously, if you play in orchestra, you need to be already fairly, fairly advanced. Mm-hmm. She said, but then I am also doing this. And then she shows sends a ballet photo where she looks absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And you see that she 
in order to achieve what I see in a potter, you need to work very hard. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Un- unfortunately, with with uh, being a mu- performing musician, a, pl- mm-hmm. a player, you will have to at some point choose. You know, it's not the conducting which you mm-hmm. can do a bit later. With right. a, with a, being an orchestra player or a soloist, you need to start straight away and then don't drop it. You know, I was not intending to to perform on stage. Right. I did it as a ballet dancer. So, uh, but uh, so going back to that, um, I basically said that I'm going on an impossible mission. And now looking back, I actually tell myself I have no idea how I have pulled it all off. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. But I have, while being in it, I have never had even a glimpse of doubt. Um, mm. What I was doing, I was just going simply towards uh, not a dream. It would be too cheesy to say. It's much simpler than that. I was just going towards a happier world. I was going mm. towards something what would make me genuinely happy. And mm-hmm. that's why I never had a, even a glimpse of thought. I mean, are we talking about uh, giving up social life? Yeah. There, there was no going out to bars or anything for 10 years. And with my kid, especially, you know. Mm-hmm. No, you you go from work, you go home, pick up your kids from school or kindergarten, you go home, you occupy yourself with kids, and then kid goes to bed, and then you start studying your musical subjects, you know, till 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. Oh 3, my God. 3, 3, sometimes 3, 30, 4, whatever needed, face, falling asleep, face, <laughs> 4 on the table. It has happened, or using every single break for uh, practice. I started violin as well in order to learn how strings working in the oh, in the orchestra. So if, uh, there was no such a thing as a rest. There was um, another theory of my mom that rest is not uh, being on the sofa in a frog position, but a rest is a simply a change of activity. So this was this is what was. Uh, happening for the past 10 years but especially mm. for the past five years so now because of this coronavirus it's for the first time in a decade that i have free time and i actually <laughs> i chose conscious i made a conscious choice on of not now studying any score just taking few weeks just to actually breathe out yeah to, to allow myself to be tired and to say, like, oh, I cannot, I still practice my violins. And I have my son, he plays violin, you know, we practice every day. I teach him, we do all kinds of things. But there is no this the deadline, I need to study this, I need to do this assignment. Uh, it, it's kind of just for pleasure. So it's good. I see. Um, you mentioned that you had a lot of people that believed in you when you were going through this. And can you tell me about those? Oh, well, now they all say, you know what, Maria? Uh, well, I must confess to you, I, I never thought you would make it. <laughs> because because it, I, I think people just saw this determination in my eyes back then and said, well, okay, well, if you're flying to the moon, well, you might as well. If you fail, you will certainly realize that you, but we won't tell you that you're crazy, you know. But now they, now people say like we have no idea how you pulled it through. And I also say I have no idea how it all happened. Um, and it takes time for my family and for my friends to adjust their, um, adjust my position in their system of coordinates. 
mm-hmm. because I was Maria the dancer and now Maria the conductor and conductor normally has this very high social status, which I, I don't think that I have. Now, I'm still the same person. And I see uh, there are certain shifts which I see in my friendships. There are very few people who we sort of maintain the same level of interaction. Mm-hmm. But lots of people, they have sort of like shed away because of different mm-hmm. areas of interest. You know, just as you said, you know, we are sorry that if we are going to ask some banal questions I think mm-hmm. people kind of fear that they will not be interesting in, um, mm-hmm. in discussion and um, which is not true I can speak I can speak about anything but uh, of course I would love to have some people to share my musical passion with mm-hmm. and uh, from my old circle of friends there are not many people who can speak in depth about music mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's because it's, there, it's simply not their area of expertise. So there are certain shifts and I have gone through uh, a lot of lonely time um, mm-hmm. during past uh, one and a half years. But it's okay. It's fine. Uh, it's, it's a good uh, time to sort out my life because I've, I'm leaving a huge chunk of my life behind. And I'm just sorting out what to take with and what not to take into new life. And it's working pretty well. And at some point I will have my new circle of friends or acquaintances <laughs> at least in the new in mm-hmm. the new field and those very few good friends who I have had since years they were they are and they will stay mm. I see that's uh, wonderful I think I really like how you said that um, you didn't feel like it was um, like a mission or a goal or anything it was just something that brought you a little bit more happiness than you know, something that you've dedicated a lot of your time and your whole career already in. Um, tell us about the first time you ever tried to con- be a conductor. You know, like, was there like a first time before you even started, you know, your training to really fully become a professional conductor? The first time you tried doing it, what was it like? Did somebody kind of teach you? Yes. Um, first time I ever stood in front of an orchestra was during um, so-called conducting course there are plenty of them and I was uh, I was given an advice to attend a particular one which was welcoming not only advanced students but also an absolute beginners there was an absolutely marvelous teacher he is actually a teacher of LA Phil and chief uh, conductor Gustavo Dudamel if you're from uh, San Francisco you might have heard his name, maybe. I mean, he is, he is a, he is a, if you check out uh, Los Angeles Philharmonic, his name will mm. pop up. He's a rock star in, in, a, uh, in the musical okay. world. And uh, he's from Venezuela and he, his teacher, one of his teachers was the teacher in that course. And I remember I came to this course and I had studied several scores for to which we were supposed to study during the course and you know of course before that i would always look into the score musical scores of ballets and i know the ballet music i i grew up with it i know how it goes i know how it develops but when you touch some works by beethoven or by by tchaikovsky by this masters you you're in awe and you don't know how to approach them so i remember i was studying this course as well as i could and I was just telling myself, Maria, 
how on earth are you going to go there? You, you are just a ballet dancer pretending to be a musician. You just don't know anything. And then, and, and one evening before my flight to United Kingdom, I was in, in, I was in Estonia during, with, with my family during the time. I remember I was sitting and sweating, cold sweat, and I told myself, I'm not going anywhere. I had this panic attack. I said, no. Mm. They're going to ridicule me out because I'm dancer and people will say, come on, what? you are not even a proper musician. You don't know anything. And then I told myself, listen, you have already spent thousands for this course. You have already accommodation. You have the flights. You have studied. So why to ship mm. out now? You just mm. go there. And if you fail, at least you know that you failed. You have tried, but you will have tried. So you will know for sure that this is not something that you were mistaken, that this is not what you wanted or how you saw it. Uh, because, you know, you won't, you will always think that um, neighbor's garden is greener until you actually <laughs> go there and see that, you know, what is happening there. Maybe it's a fake grass, you know, you don't know. <laughs> so, um, so I boarded, I'm like half conscious, I boarded that plane, shaking. And then I arrived there and I saw that everyone built these amazing people there, you know, like, okay, let's start folks, like play this first chord like this. And I see that, you know, people actually don't know. Many people mm -hmm. don't know how to even start the first <laughs> an orchestra. It's called an upbeat, you know, like you give an upbeat for them to, to uh, start. Uh -huh. and, uh, and I was like, okay, fine. Let's start, uh, let, let, let's try it. So I spent there two weeks. And, you know, I didn't even have a baton. You know, baton is this thing uh -huh. yeah, the yeah. conductors were conducting with. Because um, for me, it was like a magic wand. And I didn't think that I was um, good enough, a musician enough, to actually allow myself to spend $6.99 to oh buy a conductor sticks. I thought <laughs> that first I have to become a conductor and then I will get a baton. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so I I was called to stand in front of this small orchestra in the course. And they said, okay, what do you want to go? And I was like, oh, oh let's try, check out. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to do something there with my arms. And the teacher said, like, excuse me, why don't you have a baton? Oh, and my I God. I don't think that I deserve one. <laughs> oh. I think he thought that I'm crazy. So he said, you know. I go to the, why don't you go to the office? Um, you can buy one baton for 12.99 pounds, you know, <laughs> and next time come with a baton, we will teach you to hold the baton. So it's <laughs> and I have spent two weeks there, partially floating above the water, partially sinking, learning what I still had to learn. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's always, uh, it's forever learning, but back then. Um, I had my thoughts, but what I knew for sure that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I, I, I knew. I was enchanted. I was mm -hmm. I was absolutely oblivious to any signs of hunger, tiredness, or whatever, you know. I just was with my eyes like this looking and oh. <laughs> taking every information from from every teacher, every student, everything. And I returned. Uh, I returned from this course and I went straight to back to ballet because we, we were starting our season. And I remember my friends, they came to me and said, so how was it? How was it? Conductor, conductor. You know, for them it was funny. <laughs> and I remember I looked at one of my friends who is like one of these very good friends. And I said, I don't know how long it will take me. But one thing I know for sure, I'm on my way out. I'm on mm -hmm. my, my way out from ballet. 
like it, it was a point of no return. I just knew that I'm I'm starting my final descent in ballet. Mm. I mean, there were still I still danced another four years, and there were still mm. some of really good moments. But it, it somehow back in the back of your head, you always know your heart. It always knows. Your head might think some thoughts, but your heart somehow it always knows. Yeah. So yes. But I was still doubting. I was still doubting until I was giving my first ever professional show in the opera house where wow. I had to go in front of an orchestra without having ever rehearsed an orchestra. Mm. But my teacher, who because I already was having a mentor who was working with me, he was a, a music director in the opera house. So, so he mm-hmm. sort of took me under his wing and he was training me regularly and in a very hard way, like no thing of holding that on, like, profound way professional way and he entrusted me with one show and it was you know you go do it and but I had no chance to fail so it was once in a lifetime opportunity and I decided to take this opportunity it was a very risky opportunity because you know there are two and a half thousand spectators and dancers dancing Mm. on this on the stage and there are 80 musicians sitting in the pit it has to work out they have to play together and the way in a way how it has to be you know nothing everything depends on you on conductor everything in the show so but I went there and god I was scared before the beginning but the moment the music started the moment I started the music actually I knew that I was the fish in the water and that was actually the moment when I knew that yes this is it there's nothing better for me in this life than that and uh, I knew there's a long way. There is still a long way to go and to develop and to learn. You, I will learn till I'm 80 or till 90, hopefully 103. But um, but uh, I knew that this is what was my calling. Yes. Mm. And this um, experience you had was it? Uh, when was it? Was it like two, 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 three years ago? So yes, 2000. Wait, we are now 2020. 2018, two two years ago exactly. Mm. April, end of April, 27th of April, 18. Ah, okay, just two years ago. And this is, so you said that this is the first time that you conducted on your Uh, own. Oh, I have conducted, uh, I have conducted on my own. Mm -hmm. Most of conducting courses that I have done later. Mm-hmm. Oh, these advanced conducting courses, they would always have um, a concert at the end. So you always get mm-hmm. to go in front of a public and to conduct a, a short piece or a piece of a, uh, a chunk of a symphony or a, a movement of a certain big work, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, to go alone and conduct a three-act show, that was two years ago. And yeah. Mm. So it was not definitely. Uh, if if I had not stand, if I had if I had not stood in front of an orchestra, uh, in conducting classes and in um, in concerts, conducting courses, concerts, uh, I would not accept to go in front of the orchestra and conduct a show. But mm. I have I I knew what it was like to stand in front of an orchestra uh, already, and with some bigger works as well. But uh, to just go and start and finish the show i i did not do that it was two years ago that i did i see so just just to clarify this is two years ago and it was a three-act show and you didn't really have a chance to rehearse you just went on 
Yes, because there was an, uh, there was another conductor who did the remaining shows, and I was not mm. supposed to get any shows at, at all. My position mm-hmm. in the in the opera house was a cover conductor, so my mm. job was to learn to be on standby. I had to learn the musical material, mm. and in, in case if um, conductor has a God bless a heart attack or a diarrhea, <laughs> I have to shower into the into the or, or into the orchestra pit and finish the show, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, the ch- I was told by the direction that chances that you go into the orchestra pit to conduct a show equals zero comma zero. So, but because I tried not to lose my time and um, I would go to the rehearsal studios during rehearsals and run-throughs of the ballet. Run-through means when whole company comes together and does the entire piece from beginning to the end. It's called mm. the run-through. And uh, because conductors, very experienced conductors, they very often don't come to this kind of rehearsals. They don't need it. Mm. But I would stand in next to the pianist and always conduct because I was, mm. I, I was training. So I would learn to look at the dancers and give them the exact tempo and the exact music they need. And and I was learning to connect pieces of the show and to maintain the concentration during three hours. So um, I think the ballet administration was very happy with how I was doing. Mm. So the ballet inter- the ballet director came to music director and said, like, what do you think if we gave Maria one show? And music mm. director said, well, I don't know. I have to ask her. So he called me and he said, uh, would you like to have to conduct one show in three weeks and um, I said I would be an idiot to say no because this kind of, <laughs> he said well I knew that you will answer like this so I will give your yes to the ballet administration <laughs> so this is how I was given show so after I we have said goodbye on the phone with the director I, I started practicing so I started imagining that I have an orchestra in front of me and I would run the ballet at least once a day for three weeks, I have done 25 run-throughs in my head. Wow. I mean, not in my head. I was singing in my head, mm-hmm. but I would conduct, imagining, you know, because different uh, different um, instruments, they sit in different places. So sometimes okay. you need to, you know, to look at the person who needs to start playing here and there, because sometimes people sit for yeah. longer time, periods of time not playing. So you need to lead, help to lead them in. You have certain technique, you know, mm-hmm. So and in order to do it all right, you have to practice. So I knew that I have, I would not have any rehearsals. I would just go in front of the orchestra and play. And it would have to work from the first time. So I was practicing and luckily it went without a single mistake that show. I conducted wow. it more, more or less from memory. Well, I had learned it so well. Wow. And this has sort of earned me uh, trust. Mm. Trust because then uh, the year... After, I still stayed as a cover conductor in the same opera house in Germany, in Stuttgart. And uh, they, they already told me, okay, you will have these two shows of this one very hard show, uh, production. So I did that. And then through Stuttgart, uh, someone heard about me in Canada. And so it started. Wow, that's amazing. Okay. That's really brave to um, conduct, I mean, just hearing your story I think that was a really brave move on your end but also you worked really really hard for it but I just know that uh, I mean I'm sure every person has had at least once a situation when 
you know that this uh, an offer like this or an opportunity like this will not come. Mm-hmm. Maybe I am not ready for it yet, but there is no way I'm letting it go because mm-hmm. it's once in it's literally once in a lifetime, and you just know. And for me, that offer of that show was a gateway into this profession because I knew if I will fail or if I will not fail, and I, there was no option for me to fail. It has to be per- mm-hmm. it had to be perfect. That's that's it. But I knew that it will instantly raise my credibility in eyes mm-hmm. of people who are in mm. charge of hiring conductors on a different level. Because one thing is you say, oh, I'm a ballerina, you know. But if you say, you know, I have this position in Opera House and I have conducted a show and it went well and the world is small, rumors spread, people can call, you know, like like the, the music director in um, Canada. He told me he said, before hiring you, because he has hired me for this big contract without having ever seen me live. We mm. have had several job interviews on Skype, but he did not really see me in action. And he gave me a lot of job straight away. And he told me when I arrived there for the first time, he said, um, I have checked every whisper about you that I could. And I have not heard a single bad word about you, about your like mm. about your professionalism. So um so these kind of situations, like the one I described before, they were my way of gaining professional portfolio because I did not attend music academy. I have done certain courses, certain I have certain like certificates, but I did not have undergrad in music. I'm actually going to start uh, hopefully next uh, next uh, scholastic year. I will I will start uh, post grad in music. So this wow. will be fine. You know, I'm already having jobs. I'm earning my living with that, but I will have a formal, formal training completed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it in the reversed way. But uh, yeah, I had a different. I had a different way of getting into a profession, and that's why I had no, uh, no chance granted to fail to make a mistake because. This was my entrance. Uh, this was this was my exam. You know, this was mm-hmm. my music academy exam, state exam. <laughs> that's, that's very unusual one, but yeah, this is how it was. Mm, that's a that's an amazing story. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I think you really (laughs) highlighted, like, actually, like, the hard work that you put into it along the way, right? It's not that, oh, you were notified that you wouldn't be given this chance, and then now you go and practice and learn. You were already putting in all of the hard work to get yourself ready, you know, preparing for the whatever chance that may come your way. And then there was that one, and then you, though maybe were really scared, but, you know, like, stood stood up and, you know, step up and say, yes, I am, you know, I'm, I'm doing it, and... I think it's just really a, a wonderful example to tell people that, you know, whatever it is that you might want to do with your life, maybe it sounds like it's impossible and mission impossible for everyone, your family and, you know, all, all of your friends, as long as you're willing to put in the hard work and then, you know, be not be afraid and not get kind of talked out of it by your own self-doubt, you can definitely still get to where you want to be. Definitely. That's amazing. And plus, you know, it's, it's as simple as that. If you are lucky enough to find your calling, Mm-hmm. Uh, no effort is perceived as effort mm-hmm. because we always talk about the sacrifices we have to make you know yeah Sacri- I had to sacrifice I had so much effort but if you are lucky enough to find something which is really what drives you 
what makes you happy, nothing is an effort. You don't care. You don't count hours. You mm-hmm. don't count. It just as you know, you just walk towards the light, which calls you. <laughs> and I wish to everyone in this world to find their calling because I think we are very often stuck with uh, someone else's dreams, mm-hmm. someone else's ambitions, or you know, I'm doing this um, course because the, there's this lovely initiative from Ivy League uh, universities. They offer free courses mm-hmm. online, you know. So I'm taking this science of well-being from uh, Yale. <laughs> and and, uh, and she, the lovely lady, the professor there, she says, you know, we are so often mistaking uh, things. So we think that something will make us happy, but actually it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And there are ways of finding what makes you happy, but we never give ourselves time to actually dive into our inner self and actually hear this little ringing voice in there, which is like, yeah, I don't want to be dentist. I don't want to be heart mm-hmm. surgeon and earn 300,000 grand. I want to be an artist and exhibit <laughs> in a gallery over the street and it will make me happy. And, you know, actually, last year when I, when, I, uh, when I was waiting for my contract in Canada to start last season, I'm talking about uh, 18, 19, uh, because we work in seasons. We don't work in astronomical years. So our season mm-hmm. starts like roughly from September and goes roughly till end of June, beginning of July. So we work in seasons, just like scholastic, scholar years. And last season was my transition year. You know, I had I stopped with one career and then I had this time I had to wait seven months. So, you know, I was uh, having an unemployment in my country here. So I suddenly had become very poor because um, my salary was about 50 percent higher than the money I was allowed last year. Mm-hmm. So there was no way of going shopping, you know, minimal things of. Uh, if my son needed new underwear or shoes because he, he keeps growing, but, you know, there was no such thing as shopping. There was shopping for food and that was it, rent and um, and shopping for food. But, you know, the funny thing was that not a single time I felt during last year that I was deprived of anything. Meanwhile, when I was in ballet, because things were getting more complicated and more frustrating at, towards the end of my career, mm-hmm. you know, I always felt this need to console myself to go and buy something or to buy something for someone else but always there was this need to go and distract yourself by spending money mm-hmm. and last year I was poor but I was telling everyone I said I'm so happy I don't feel the urge to go mm-hmm. to the store because I wake up and I'm genuinely happy because I have music in my head the sun is <laughs> shining and I don't want anything but just to smile you know mm-hmm. and this is how I realized again that it is very important to find what really makes you happy. Because then, as long as you have your basic needs covered, you don't need much. Mm-hmm. Mm. Because That's what a you wonderful point. is so much more fulfilling. Mm. That's I a hope wonderful you agree with me. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think and I think I want to say we've definitely talked to people who said in the past that, you know, they realize that, you know, perhaps for them to, you know, get the experience or the training required for what they want to do next, it looks like they have to cut out a lot more. Maybe they need to 
not socialize. Maybe they need to stop spending money on certain things. But then when you really look at what's required and what's essential to you, what really makes you happy, then actually those are really not sacrifices. And that's exactly what you're saying, right? You feel like, oh, I don't need to have those things to be happy because, you know, maybe focusing on music actually makes me a lot more happier than um, getting a new dress or going out to get drinks with my friends. Yeah, I think that's exactly what you're saying. Um, I think it's so nice that you mentioned that, you know, along the way, even though that the two (laughs) very amazing careers that you've chosen so far, they both require really significant and just a lot of time dedicated fully, you know, like you said, physically and mentally, and then also like your soul into it to be good at it. Um, And then you also like mentioned that there's, you know, a few lucky encounters and then people that gave you the chances that helped you along the way. What do you think that, you know, how did you attract all of those lucky encounters and the networks and the opportunities that kind of just showed up um, at a time that was absolutely necessary for you to pivot into your current career? You know, I very much believe in science, not science, but science and chances. Mm. Very much believe. And I believe that the closer you are to your true self, the more universe helps you to get there. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, we all speak about God uh, and, you know, almighty, whatever, you name it, whatever. But there's definitely something that rules it, that keeps it all somehow going. And I come, I come from... Um, from Orthodox Church, you know, and Orthodox Church is very strict, you know. They say, mm-hmm. you go to hell, if you don't do this, you know, God mm-hmm. will punish you, go and confess, you know. You have to f- have six weeks of not eating meat, bread, and whatever, go and starve yourself, you know. <laughs> and then I, I I went through all phases, all kinds of phases of believing, not believing, contemplating, questioning, doubting. And then at some point I realized, you know, that, and, and also I, I, I like to meditate whenever I have time. Mm-hmm. And I have come to conclusion that this thing out there, the energy, call it whatever, it wants us nothing more, nothing else, but just mm-hmm. to be happy. Mm-hmm. But for that, in order to be guided, because it, you need to find what your purpose was to come. Mm-hmm. And I don't say, I, I mind you, I'm not trying to say that, oh, I'm the wise one to have found. I think I'm the lucky one mm-hmm. to have been granted the chance to find. Mm-hmm. What makes me really happy. Because, and how I know that it makes me happy because I stopped hating myself. I, I, I started accepting myself as I am. If I make mistakes, I don't blame myself like it was in ballet, you know. Mm-hmm. I just go and massacre myself, you know, if I didn't mistake, you know. Someone told me, stretch your knee, and I'll be like, oh, how okay, didn't I stretch my knee? You know, it's like, <laughs> one page, go and kill yourself. What a nightmare. But um, but now, you know, I feel that, okay, it's just a regular process of learning. Okay, mistake, okay, fine, I'll fix it. No problem, mm-hmm. we move on. Nothing really stresses me out. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing makes me bitter and unsure. Um, I'm sure, sure, but in in a good way. I think you understand what I'm trying to say. So, mm-hmm. and I think because I was lucky enough to find what makes me myself, I think some gates opened and opportunities started pouring in. Because because you know, in order in in order to learn to draw or to count, you you can give to your kid. Um, to, to, to draw this picture which goes by numbers, you know? 
Mm-hmm. And then it's the same. They say with us, grown-ups. You know, if you need to, to if if you know where you want to get life, universe, Almighty, whatever it is, will provide you with these little numbers. Uh, which will be just, you know, you are standing on one number, but the one will be visible. The next one will be somewhere visible, so you will know the, your next step. You don't know where else it will lead, mm-hmm. but you will just, you, you will have your next uh, a landmark. Or is it called a landmark, I think, in English? Yeah. Uh, so somehow you will always be guided mm-hmm. without really knowing it, without really feeling. It just when you ha- will have reached some of, destination you will be able to turn back and say oh like nothing was by chance it was mm-hmm. by chance but not really mm-hmm. but for that you have to trust your heart you have to really trust your heart even when you think that god but how will i provide you know how will i provide when i when i knew i had to stop i had to my son was four at the time you know I thought, how how will, it, how will it provide? But then, you know, you have to just trust somehow. It will happen. It will happen. It will happen. And you need to make this step. And then somehow things just work out for you. They, will, they will always will. I, I, I believe it blindly. Life wants nothing or universe wants nothing else for us but our happiness. Nothing. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we are not happy is because we are not we, we have not yet found ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and this is also what I'm learning now in this Yale course. You know, they say, you know, we always think that if I will have an iPhone 12, 13, 17, XA, <laughs> YZP with uh, three cameras, then it will be five. And then well, at some point, this whole backside will be the whole camera, you know. If I have that, then I'll drive Tesla or even better, a helicopter, you know, I'll be happy, you know. <laughs> No, you won't. Because if deep inside you're not happy, nothing mm-hmm. will make you happy. If tooth is rotten inside, you can put whatever you want on top. You can mm-hmm. color it. You, it will still be rotten inside. <laughs> you have so many good quotes. I, I don't even know how to. <laughs> <laughs> That's so yeah, I know. I love it. I feel like the entire yeah. recording <laughs> yeah. is a wonderful quote. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so my... Uh, I, I want to know, so if somebody comes to you and they tell you that I want to become a conductor, what would you tell them to do? I would say, I would honestly say what it takes. Because um, you cannot deny the earthly meaning. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's a profession. I would say mm-hmm. what it takes. I would say, I would say the basic, uh, basic list of requirements. And I would say, go for it. And I would say, um, here's my number. You can reach mm-hmm. out to me anytime. That's wonderful. That's what, wow. that's what I would say. And in fact, there was one dancer who reached out to me and he said, oh, yeah, I would maybe be interested, you know. <laughs> and I think it was very cute because I think he just thought that I went, I, I go in front of an orchestra and I wave, I wave my hands. But to wave our hands is very easy for us, you know, because we can do whatever we want with our hands. It will always be looking nice, but it has to work. It has to, it has to have a meaning. Mm-hmm. So uh, I said, oh, okay, well, he said, I would like to have a chat with you. I said, no problem, let's, let's chat. Uh, when, when can we call each other? And he said, well, so, oh, but just before we, 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 we chat, I would like to know, so 
um, how did, long did you study? What do you need? And what does one need? And I said, well, what instrument do you play? He said, well, I don't play anything. <laughs> and I said, well, then you need to start playing an instrument. You know, it will take you a couple of years before you will be able to, like, at least a little bit understand. Because, mm-hmm. and most of it will be piano because you need to read the orchestra score eventually. And then I gave a list of things, what one needs to learn, list of subjects. Wow. And I said, well, when you will have kind of be done with them, of course, you'll also be learning. Then you can proceed to the easy part. The way <laughs> <laughs> I said so, but if you're starting from zero, it will take at least eight years. Mm-hmm. My, yes. my my luck was that I, back then I was not starting from zero. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, he evaporated. <laughs> he never responded to my message. He never, he never... Yeah, he never um, uh, got back to me. And uh, I think he, he just really thought that, you know, one can just like go and wave hands because basically <laughs> this is what it looks from the side. But I know that also uh, many people think that dance is the same, you know, like go and fly. <laughs> and, uh, it's it just, is it's hard. Just, it's hard. It's very hard. It's a killer. Yes. Uh, but um, I really hope that my my example will pave a way mm-hmm. for some people who might have been doubting and but didn't have as much courage as I happened to have. Mm. There's one very famous um, American ballerina, Cynthia Harvey. Mm. Uh, she's from a couple of generations before me, mm. and I have been um, happy, lucky to study with her, and she was always very supportive of my aspirations to become a conductor. And she said, when I started to really making it, she wrote to me, she said, you cannot imagine how happy I am for you because by succeeding, you sort of fulfill my dream as well. She said, I was working at the ABT, ABT, which is in Mm. Lincoln Center in uh, New York City. And she said, you know, she was a principal dancer. And she said, I have, I was always dreaming to become a conductor. And I was having much better conditions to study it than even you. Because um, conductors were actually almost insisting on training me. They said, "We will wow. train you. Like no problem. Just just come and do it. You know, <laughs> no <laughs> so much efforts needed. We will teach you everything." She said, "But I didn't dare." Mm. She said, "And I'm so happy that you have dared and that you're making because it makes so, my dream come true through you." Mm. And I just hope that if there are some other people who might have doubt, doubted, that they will also follow. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. I think that's what we're trying to do. Hopefully, yeah. we can reach a lot of people. <laughs> um, I, I think, but I think it, it's valid for any field. Mm-hmm. Where can people find you if they have questions for you? Um, I have a website. Great. I have a Facebook page. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I will I link them. I have, a, I have a, an Instagram page. All has my name inside. So if you Google my name and family name, it will all pop up. I'm okay. I'm quite I'm pretty connected. I I like when people write to me. I really like. Uh, awesome. I, I kind of I, it feels so cute when people write to me. So I normally respond very quickly. <laughs> if I feel like it, please. Thank you so much for your time today. It has been so inspirational to talk to you, and I really really liked how passionate you are. And um, I think it's a real proof that. Uh, you know, with passion and with hard work, you can get to where you want to go. And it's also really, really rare, I think, for me to 
to just get to talk to somebody who is so um maybe because you're coming from a ballet dancer background and you, you, you just work so many hours, but it's very rare for me to hear that some, you know, people work from eight or six in the morning to 10 p.m. and then they go back and do the same thing or even to 3 a.m. like you were saying. So um, I think it's a really good um, example. Like it, this really shows that you really have to work this hard to to go for the things you really want. But it is really worth it. Right. In the end. Yeah, but it is, uh, I must admit, it is also partially my ballet upbringing as well. We are, mm. like our normal workload is, as I have learned, is something mm. impossible for other people. You know, I have this <laughs> story, I always tell people, I have the a friend, she was a dancer and she was dancing in Vienna. And she was one of these like very small scene dancers, beautiful, beautiful, like elf, like a fairy. <laughs> And at some point she said, you know, I'm done with ballet and I'm going to, I have to find, figure out what to do in life. And yeah. she figured, she went to study uh, medicine Ooh, and uh, then, you know, yeah. Uh, and then she said um, at some point that, you know how they have to first, I, I, I'm not very sure about exact amount of years, but first they need to study, I think, general medicine. And then after a certain amount of years, uh, they need to choose their specification. They need to choose the direction. Mm-hmm. And as yep. much as I understand, one can choose one, maximum two specifications mm-hmm. because, you know, it's an in-depth yeah. uh, study, obvious, for obvious reasons. And I remember she was telling me, oh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here and I have these four, four fields I'm interested in and I cannot make my, up my mind. <laughs> I will apply for all four. Wow. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, she was accepted into all four. And what? She graduated in all four, if I'm not mistaken, cum laude, in all four fields. She works now in the medical clinic in in, uh, Switzerland, you know. But what I'm talking about is that we are given Mm. this um, resilience. Mm. We are, uh, because what is asked from us during very, starting from very early years, Mm -hmm. you know, the first thing what teacher will tell you when you will come to the dance class like you have four you have four you know you have this belly and you have this big two and you have two ponytails and teachers and you want to like fly around and scream with other dance uh, with other kids and teacher says well welcome to the dance class little ones so from now on I will be the only one who will be talking in this class. <laughs> what you will be doing, you will be paying attention. You will be paying attention. So what is being taught to you is to listen, to obey, mm-hmm. to no corrections of every person, given to any person in the whole. You mm-hmm. have to know everything. And then scan yourself to apply corrections from other people. So mm-hmm. it's an immense focus and discipline, immense. And I realize it... I, we don't think that it's anything special because it's normality in our field. It's normality. Mm. But when I started coming out of that field, I, I realized that I have an enormous um, advantage. Mm. Yeah. I think this is how I have pulled certain amount of studies through without actually attending an institution mm-hmm. because I knew that I will be disciplined enough to study everything that's being taught by other mm-hmm. students, spoon-fed to other people. Yeah. And so you're, when you're obliged to sit in course in person, you're more, more likely to, 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 
complete the course. Mm-hmm. If you need to do it at home at mm-hmm. night when you're tired or you want to binge watch friends, <laughs> yeah, or, or you have blisters on your feet from the show or, you, or whatever, or your child is vomiting at night, you know, I really knew that I will do it. You know, child vomits, so you clean the vomit and you go and study. <laughs> so, but it's a ballet advantage. It's a ballet advantage, and um, I I, I um, do acknowledge it. I, I do acknowledge mm. it. So you know, Thank if you. you ever hear someone who says, "My child wants to go to ballet, but ballet is not a profession," should I send oh. my kid to ballet school? I would definitely say yes, because if child mm. wants to be ballet dancer. And then later he will need to, or he wants to dance and actually eventually becomes a professional dancer. Not a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a very big money, but it's a big passion and great yeah. discipline. And then there will be no problem to switch into another field. I, People, absolutely everyone from my friends and from my old circle of friends who have chosen, made a conscious career change. And they have, you know, I have dancers and engineers, you know, doctors and mm. stuff like this. Uh, they have all succeeded at a very high level because because of the focus we have. Thank you so much. Have a Thank good night. Thank you very much for taking interest in my story. I very much appreciate it. Okay. Thank you for your time. Have a good Bye. night. Bye. Yes. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. You just finished listening to an episode of the Working Progress Podcast. If you like this episode, make sure you share this with someone who can benefit from it and leave us a review on iTunes. Don't forget to let us know what you think or if you have any questions. You can find our contact information in the episode description. Keep doing the good work and I look forward to speaking with you soon.